So Ashley, that last one may take a little getting used to, but I want you to bring it back. I like that one. I had to, it took me about to the third trial in the course to finally get that last line right, but other than that, <laughs> it did well. Well, how is everyone today? A little soggy? So, so somebody asked me today, said, you can tell the Lord you can cut it off now. We're thankful for the rain. Sometimes we get a little more than we asked for, but no one can be truly happy. Because I always joke growing up that, you know, my, my granddad, as, a, uh, as he made a living as a contractor, he always pray, prayed for the rain to hold off so he'd get his concrete to pour. And as a retiree, he dabbled in the garden. He wanted that rain to come down to water his crops. So you never know what you need. Everybody seems to be praying against each other. Well, we should be praying for what the Lord will have us do. Like that last song it says, Who will I send? It is about preparing our hearts and to be ready for what God has in store for each and every one of us. The Apostle Paul is our example. He's the one that we've been following in many parts through this book of Acts. And today as we, we've made it to chapter 26... Uh, we followed his journey, and from last week till today, if you followed along with the reading, you, you see that Luke has painted a similar pattern in Paul's life as he travels on these missionary journeys. He, he seeks out new people, new places to spread, to teach the gospel and what God has prepared him for, and some people are receptive to that call and some people are not and some are jealous of his success and so they try to run him out of town and in many cases they are successful and he moves on to the next place but every place that he encounters there is a group of people who have been prepared to rehear the message that he brings to hear the word of the gospel Many from his own people, from uh, those who have been taught the lessons of the Old Testament scriptures of Moses and all of the prophets, he heard from them. And some took, took what Paul had to say and they believed it because it clarified for them what God had been doing all those years ago and the promises that were yet to be fulfilled, how they were fulfilled in their very presence or their hearing. Yet others would reject that gospel. And they would deny what they heard to be truth as one of these other heretical groups that had come up through this time. Because in Paul's day, it, it was not uncommon for zealots, charismatics to come about and to preach something contrary to tradition, contrary to the, the roots of their faith and steer others off. Because there was a lot of movement in this area. Well, just think about it today. There was religious elites. These Pharisees these that held strictly to the law, the letter. Kind of in this place we call Israel, Jerusalem. They don't have that problem today, do they? If, if you don't think they do, you haven't turned on the TV very often. But this same culture that breed, breed this strict adherence to religion and how they had zealots that would go out to eradicate anyone who disagreed with them. Not just some that uh, were the same people. I mean, these were people who grew up together, but they didn't believe in their version of religion. It's still going on today in this area. 
And those who would oppose you would do it unto death. There was ways of discipline. And this was a life that Paul lived before that experience in Damascus. And so in 26, we pick up the story where he is now giving his defense yet again. After he has spent two years in prison in Caesarea uh, to King Agrippa. And he begins and he says, If you are willing to testify that according to the strict... Oh, skip the part of the verse. In verse 4, it tells us this. This is how Paul lived. He says, My manner of life from my youth, spent from the beginning among my, my own nation and in Jerusalem, is known to all the Jews. They have known for a long time, if they are willing to testify, that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand on trial because of my hope in the promises made by God to our fathers, to which the twelve tribes hope to attain, as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope I am accused by the Jews, O king. Why is it though, uh, in, why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? So Paul turns their own understanding of their faith back on them. They worship a God who delivered a people from Egypt. We have the story of Moses and the patriarchs. It's an incredible story. Water turning into wine. Not wine, sorry, wrong person. Water turning into blood in the Nile. You had the flies. You had the, the toads and the, the locusts and all these things. I mean, it, all these calamities take place for the people of Israel to find their new place in the promised land. Not only that, but there was times in those wilderness journeys... There was times as they were making their way through uh, the wilderness that God provided water from rocks and all these various things. And yet, all of that tradition that they have believed and that they have devoted their whole life to in strict, devout religious practices, when God does something incredible in their presence, they are unable to believe that is from God. Later they will tell, tell that uh, Paul is just out of his mind, that all this education has gone to his brain. You know what he's talking about. But sometimes the incredible is too hard to believe when we'd rather be hard-headed and stuck in our ways. Because change is probably harder than anything else in our life that we can do. We were raised to believe a certain set of facts. We lived our life believing a certain set of facts. But there are times where our beliefs are challenged by the world we live in. And for some, they heard the voice of God through the words of Paul and believed that God was intervening in history as he had done in the past. And he raised up this Jesus of Nazareth to be the Savior of the world. But for others, that would cause too much change, too much of a burden. That would affect how they lived. And for Paul, he did the exact same thing. 
Paul was not a follower of the way, was not a Christian from the early days. He testifies that. He lived as a Pharisee, a zealot, one who was willing to do anything to be holy and righteous before his God. I mean, think how difficult that may have been to live this pious life. You had to have a ritual cleansing of your hands just to enter a room to eat supper. Now, it's good to wash your hands, don't get me wrong, but if you had to do this special practice every time you ate, that could get old. And, and, you know, for a guy, it was fairly tough. Women, there was a lot of law that made it very tough for y'all. And it made it very unsanitary for you to go out in public for certain times of the, the month. But there were those who would live a life of holiness and tried to rid themselves of all of filth and depravity of this world. But in the process, they hardened their hearts to what the Spirit was doing. Now, we can be disciplined in every facet of our life. We can have the perfect diet. We can have the perfect exercise program. I mean, we can be the most disciplined person also in economics. We can put back the money we need to. We can make a calculated risk. We can grow money. We can grow wealth. And we can do all these things through discipline and through using the tools that we have learned. And we can advance in life. And we can grow in whatever practice that we seek to do. But discipline by itself means nothing to our soul. And for Paul, who lived the disciplined life, who was zealot about that, because in his discipline he saw something that would cause problems. And he worked to eradicate that. But in discipline, we can do a lot of things. Think about our army, since we are remembering Memorial Day. So Memorial Day, last Monday of the month, celebrated a different time if you were back around in the 70s. It was in the, the May 30th. If you don't follow much, if you don't have military family or are from the South, Memorial Day may not have been a big deal. It may have been the time where you got sales on swimming suits and those kind of things because it's the unofficial start of summer. And it's funny how we get to take a day off when others have paid the ultimate price. But as we celebrate Memorial Day, we remember the discipline that our soldiers have undertaken. That they had to enter into a, a campaign, into a system that required ultimate discipline. That would be willing to act at an order without question, without thinking. Just if it came, they did. And many of our fallen were reacting through their discipline as soldiers to an order that came from outside. And they acted on what they were told to do, and they gave their life for that. And so we remember those who gave, paid the ultimate sacrifice, who gave up their lives so that we may meet here in freedom, that we may worship freely, but sometimes we neglect the discipline that the, these men gave up, and like Paul had. Now, 
when we were looking for a candidate, or when Jesus was looking, as that song says, who will I send? You had this zealot, this Pharisee, this Paul. Let's talk about his life. And so he was born outside of Jerusalem, outside of Israel. But he was raised by Jews in a particular manner. And he, he went to study at the schools and sat at the feet of those who would be the best educators. Everything about his life was disciplined. He lived in a certain pattern so that he could be holy and righteous, so that he could do the best that he could, that he could be the best person that God had created to. There was nothing about his previous life as a persecutor of a church that did not prepare him for the mission that God had placed him on. He just lacked the vision until he had that encounter on the road to Damascus. But this person who was able to live a disciplined life and only eat certain foods and to pray and to do all these things on a routinely basis was able to endure the trials that he endured. So when he faced persecutions as he spread the gospel, when he was stoned and nearly died, when he was shipwrecked, when he was bitten by snakes, and when he, all these things that happened in his life because of his discipline and his use, because he lived as a Pharisee, he was able to endure that's how our soldiers do it. They are disciplined because through their discipline they can endure the hardships of battle. And if so, called upon, give their lives for us. They don't have to question if what they're about to do is safe. They do it because that's who they are. Sometimes I think we miss as Protestants the discipline that spiritual, spiritual disciplines can do for us. They prepare us to get through those trials of life. They're so bitter hard. But Paul, because he lived as such a zealous, disciplined man before he encountered Christ, God was preparing him the whole time. He sat at the feet of some of the best education of his day. He learned the scriptures. He would recite them in his prayers. He would even teach and when called upon, he would eradicate those who opposed his view of things. But for Paul, the stories of Christ were not enough. The stories of what happened at Golgotha were not enough. It was fantasy for him because it would require him to change so much. But through that experience, he will say, as he was walking, as he journeyed, it says in verse 12, to Damascus. And he had the authority and the commission of the chief priests. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun. It shone all around me and those who journeyed with me. And when I had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to keep to kick against the goads. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But arise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for you for this purpose. Paul was already developed for what God had called him for. But he had 
made a mistake. He was human. He had followed his human intuition to where God was not leading him. But Paul was the right man for the job. And I think God had been calling him all along this journey. And he had missed those calls. Because it says here, it is hard for you to kick against the goads. From his youth, God had been steering him into the direction of this missionary path. He had been steering him for this time on this encounter at Damascus. He had been slowly guiding him. But for whatever reason, Paul missed the cues. So I ask you today, where has God been leading you? Are you where he would have you go? Have you been following the path that he laid out for you? We pray each week that God open our ears that we may hear his message. To give us eyes that we may see his path. And give us strength that we may do his work. But the problem is sometimes we're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Because we've decided to go where God hasn't shown us to go. This was the life of Saul, the Pharisee. And his encounter with Jesus was so complete that he even gave up his name and became Paul the Apostle. Saint Paul, as the church will call him. But if you have read through this book of Acts, you will know he was far from a perfect individual. He had disputes with his fellow co-workers. He parted company when the things were going well. And up until this point, he hadn't heeded the advice of many that he traveled with. Because he had learned to listen to what God was doing. Sometimes we take the advice of our family and friends. Because God works in each and every one of our lives. But from a human perspective, it's hard to see God's cosmic plan. It's hard to see where he will have each and every one of us go. It's hard for Paul to see it. It took a moment to where he had to lose his sight so he could truly see what God was doing. And Jesus goes on, he says, but arise and stand Upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and a witness to the things in which you had seen me and to those in which I will appear uh, to you. Delivering from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from the darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness for sins. And the place among those who are sanctified by the faith in me. That was Paul's purpose. That's what God had been preparing him for. He didn't just call out a nobody. He called out somebody who was zealous for the faith. Who took the time to study and to know what God had done in the past. So that when the time came, he would know how all the bits and pieces would fall in together. And at this point, Paul had spent two years in prison. And he's about to be transferred to Rome where there will be perils on the journey. And he'll spend more time in imprisonment, another two years. 
So this zealot evangelist who had spread the gospel to the Gentiles, who had met before the Jerusalem council, and how the word was spreading because of the word that he preached, because of the empowerment of the Spirit that had happened. He is now put in prison, house arrest. He is put in a stable environment. Now you probably know people like Paul. Go-getters never can rest always having to do something. They can't sit still. Have you met these people? You might be one of them. I know a few of them that go to the church here. They always have to have something to fill their hands. If you think they have a day off, they're going to start another project. They may have two or three projects going at a time. This was like Paul. So what do you think it was like for a man like this to be stuck in jail for two years, followed by another two years? He had some freedoms, yes. He could communicate with friends. They could supply his needs. But he couldn't do anything. Couldn't go out uh, traveling the countryside, preaching to the lost. Couldn't do that anymore. He was bound by chains. What do you think it was like? Can you see the anxiety building up on him as he waited? I mean, this is the sentence that you get when you're trying to find out what the results of a medical test are. Paul doesn't know how this is going to go, but he knows he has been given the opportunity to speak to the low and to high, as it will say, to people in in places out in the, the trenches and to kings. He is now telling the testimony of Christ. I love as we get to verse 27, he says, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. And Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? In his testimony, in the defense of his life, he is challenging those he is, he is giving witness to, to accept Jesus Christ in faith. But what do you think it was like those two years? Or the next two years? You know what happened in those two years? Paul couldn't go out. He started writing letters. We're not sure where he wrote the prison letters from could have been his time in Caesarea, could have been in the next stop. And these are the ones that made the canon of Scripture. These are the ones that we read. These are the ones that we cherish. Paul not only encouraged the faith of those early church plants or helped them correct problems in their midst, but he left a legacy for all of us today to read. For the Spirit was with him as he sat there in prison. And he shared the words of comfort. He wrote nearly half of the New Testament. If you look by number. So he wrote. He put pen to paper. And that's just what we have kept is what we have in the canon. But I can guarantee you those weren't the only letters that he ever wrote. But I bet he had individuals in his life that he sent words of encouragement to. But he had those that he would challenge to do more with their faith, like Timothy, a growing young minister, to push him to do more than what he was doing. But he had others. Maybe their personal nature, they just didn't survive to this day. Maybe they'll be discovered at some point. Who knows? 
But we do know that some of these letters, they struck an accord to where people saved them and they started sharing them with others because of what they meant and they are still being read to this day in churches. And he started off on the wrong foot. I don't know if you'd call it a second chance or an awakening because all of his life was prepared for where he was at today. That's how our life works. Each and every one of us are being prepared for something to do. Paul was kicking against the goads because he had decided that he was going to do what was best for his religion, for his God. He knew what God wanted and he was going to do it. But he hadn't opened his ears to hear the Spirit's call. He had decided what was best without considering what God was doing. But God used every bit of his life before into his missionary journeys. You know, I'm a pastor today, but I wasn't always a pastor. I built houses, I worked on chainsaws, did all kind of things. But every bit of my journey from where I was raised to the Sunday school teachers who influenced me, to youth ministers who prayed over me. And I feel sorry for that youth minister that I had. I gave him more pride. I think I about ran him out of ministry, honestly. He left not too long after I graduated to another church to be a pastor. But he's another sign of those who kick against the goads. Because as he was associate pastor for a few years at that church, it went through a period of decline. And they said, you know what, you've worked with youth before. Would you mind filling in? And to this day, he still works with youth. He had to be open to what the Spirit was doing in his own life. Because he had the gift of working with people. Not too many people have the talent to work with young people when they're now in their 60s. But he did. There's been times in my life that I said, Lord, why did you put me where I'm at? But guess what? Time passes. And as time passed, you gain the the fortitude or the fortune of hindsight. And as you can look back and survey your life, there will be parts that are full of pain. There are parts that you wish you could have avoided. But guess what? All those parts can work together. Because God doesn't let your life be used up in vain. But everything you go through, if you allow the Spirit to work in you, He can do for the good of His kingdom. Not everything in life is good. But if you allow God to use it, even those hard times. Because I imagine Paul looks back as he held those cloaks. As they stoned Stephen to death. Or as he cast his vote to have others martyred. I bet he looked back with regret. But I imagine those same regrets gave him the courage to do what God had him to do. To testify boldly before kings and authorities. Because he knew what people suffered for the gospel because of his hand. He could endure for the sake of the cross. Because through his endurance, 
through his perseverance and through his life, he left a legacy for each and every one of us today to read and marvel at and to question ourselves. Lord, what are we doing that is our own ambition? Where have you been coaxing us to in our life? Where have you been guiding us? Where have we missed it? Because if the Apostle Paul missed the cues, I may not be immune myself. So we, each and every one of us should pray for that experience. That our eyes be opened to what God is calling us to. Now it may not lead you to fame and glory. For Paul it led him to prison, torture, and death. There are many others who live like Paul. That are not recorded in this book. But their names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And if you've ever read the book of Revelation, you will know that those who gave up their life for their sake will be justified, will be glorified, and will be set in a place of honor in heaven's seat for all eternity. For all eternity. It doesn't matter if you live 70 years, 90 years, 120 years. Maybe you figure out something you live to be 150 years old, as crazy as that sounds. Guess what? 2,000 years ago, people did the same thing. They're gone. They're dead. 1,000 years ago, people may have done the same thing. They're dead. 200 years ago, people did the same thing. They're all dead. But those who follow Jesus Christ... They're alive for eternity, forevermore. If you can wrap your head around eternity, you can do more than I can. But for followers, we are given such a short time in life to do what God has set before us. So let this words of Scripture, let this book of Acts give us the strength that we need to do to stop fighting against the goads and to go where God has called us to. So if you will, please join with me in a word of prayer. Our good and gracious Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for these words, for this, this story of a man who lived faithfully, who lived boldly, but who had to be corrected, who had to be shown where to go. Lord, I ask that you have us to take inventory of our own life, to see if we are going in the direction that you have created us for, if we are going to the places that you have made us to go, or if we've been closing our ears to your call. For we have been touched by such amazing grace. We need to let you have first place in our life. Lord, when you ask the question, who will I send? 
let our hearts say, it is I, Lord. I am ready to go to the people that you love that are lost in darkness and sin. I will be that one to carry the torch into those dark places so that your love may abound in the hearts of your children. Lord, give us the strength through our hands that we may do your work. Guide our feet that we may walk that narrow way. And goad us in the direction that you have prepared us for. It is in your name we pray. Amen. And now as we enter our time of invitation, if you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ and like to have let everyone know about it, Now's the time to come forward to boldly proclaim your witness to the world. To no longer follow Christ in the shadows, but to follow Christ in the light. If you've been visiting First Baptist Church for some time and you've decided that you're going to join us in a more permanent way, please come forward. Or maybe you're just dealing with something today that you need prayer. Come forward at this time.